pictures of the nursery, but I think I'll wait because the kids aren't in. I didn't catch them, and it's the, the kids. So we'll wait, and Hank's not here either, so I'll, I'll wait. And I was just going to put up some pictures. We'll do it another day when the, the people involved are all present, um, of the folks that worked on uh, renovating the nursery. And uh, so that's Tony and Hank and his friend Peter and, and uh, the kids, um, the Lion and, and Donnelly kids. So we, we want them to, to get some credit for uh, how awesome it looks in there. So we'll do that another time. If you haven't been in there to check it out, though, go, go and have a look because it really is um, inviting for, for um, kids. Um, just before I forget, too, um, next week is our potluck. So uh, remember that. And um, the end of the month, the 27th of Friday at 1 o'clock, is um, Bruce's Downs uh, service at 1 o'clock here. All right. So if um, we can bring some goodies, there will be some sandwiches and things that uh, someone else is looking after, but if we can bring some of the, the sweets, gals, that would be a big help. Did you say Saturday? Friday. Friday. Friday, the 27th at 1 p.m. All right, good, thanks for that. Didn't want to miss that. So, um, that was gonna be easier than that. Okay. So, uh, as I was just waiting before the Lord and um, thinking about thinking about a number of things, um, Mother's Day not being the least of those. Um, so like the Lord said to, to look at the book of Ruth. And um, I, I always refer to the fact that I'm now going through the daily audio Bible so I don't have to read so much. And um, so I've just come through the book of Judges. The book of Judges will leave you like a centimeter off the floor. It's dire times, dire times, you know. Um, if you know the book of Judges, you will know that it's characterized by one phrase, which is, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's kind of a pertinent book. It's relevant to, to every age where there's um, moral decay and anarchy and everyone just, just calling the shots themselves. So I think today we have that with your truth, my truth, my reality, your reality how we're reinventing uh, the world according to the way we see it, everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. Um, Ruth is a unique book. Um, Gordon and I actually studied it in Hebrew class um, when we were dating, I think. And um, it's just, it's a beautifully written book. The first lines and the last lines have exactly the same number of words in Hebrew. Someone orchestrated this book. We don't know exactly who wrote it, and it used to be in the book of Judges. Of course, Ruth is not a judge, so then it was taken out as a standalone, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful because in the midst of, again, 400 years, 400 years, the people are in Egypt as slaves, right? Now here we are, God takes them through the Red Sea, he takes them through the wilderness. He teaches them the lessons of the wilderness. He teaches them dependence. He feeds them manna one day at a time, except for the Sabbath, and says, I'm gonna take you into the promised land. They get into the promised land. They win these spectacular battles. They're learning to depend on the Lord. They're learning to come into blessing and fullness. And then they just go crazy. They abandon the Lord. And the Lord had said what the cycle would look like, right? So now we're in the time between victory in the promised land and the coming of kings, which God always wanted just to be their kings. And
And so here's this time of judges. And there were good judges and there were not so hot judges. You know, you think of Gideon, Samson, Deborah, some amazing stories in there, some absolutely crushingly violent, horrible stories in there where you just go, oh God, how do you keep doing this? How do you put up with the people who are supposed to be the people of God? And he goes on, and in the midst of that dark, chaotic, horrible time of the judges is this little, very personal, intimate story of Ruth, who is, by the way, a Moabitess, and the people, uh, even in the, the book of the law, in Leviticus, it says a Moabite cannot enter the sanctuary of the Lord up to ten generations. So there were there were some there was some history there. Ruth is one of two books that are named for women. I think it's interesting right now. We've got lots of emphasis on gender, and Jesus elevated women. Jesus validated women. Jesus spoke to women. Jesus healed women, Jesus raised women up, Jesus said women that were disciples. But God the Father has always valued women. God, God, even though the society subjected women and made them the lowest of the low, and as we're gonna hear, Naomi and Ruth are at the bottom of the pecking order. They have no hope, there are no social programs. They're widows without children. There, there is not much, <laughs> positive landscape in their future. And God takes this whole story of redemption and surprises everybody. And I just think it's so relevant and so pertinent for us in a time when if you dare to turn on your TV and watch the news, you're not gonna see much good news. You're not gonna hear much that's positive. And the, you know, the world has been living in a perpetual state of fear. Not us, right? But the world has been living in a perpetual state of fear for two and a half years. You can't survive like that. And so into this time of judges, when it was not safe to travel, it was not safe to, to go anywhere on your own, especially not as a woman. And into that darkness comes the book of Ruth. Let me just, we can put up Ruth, uh, if, if you could, Larry, NIV. Thanks. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine, just to add to the complexity and direness of the situation. There was a famine in the land, and so a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Um, there's a few things that we can learn from just knowing what everybody's names mean in this opening scenario. And um, A, there's a famine. So Bethlehem means the house of food or the house of bread, Bethlehem. And it's, it's, it's going to be a, a figure in very prominently, obviously, in the future. So the house of bread has a famine, which in a Hebrew mindset means there has been sin, if there's no food in the house of food, God is trying to get their attention and to say, we need to talk. <laughs> What's going on, guys? I'm not in first place. And so one way he gets their attention is, is through times of hardship. And so that they will return to him. And then every time it gets too good again, 
they fall away from God. That's the cycle, right? And so in this time of famine, in the, in the place of food, um, Elimelech, who me, whose name means God is my king. Melech means king. Elimelech. Um, and they, uh, God is my king. And Naomi means pleasant, as we know. So this sounds like a pretty cool couple, right? Hello, I'd like you to meet God is my king and his dear wife, pleasant, right? It's really sad, kind of cool. So, um, and they live in the house of, they live in the, the house of bread. It sounds like a good setup. However, when the famine came, uh, somebody made the decision. It says that um, Elimelech takes his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, and they decide to go to Moab. And the Moabites and the Ammonites came from Lot's incestuous relationships with his two daughters. Remember that? Juicy scene? That was bad. If the Bible wasn't real, it wouldn't put in all of these stories because they're they're like kind of test testure, you know. They're, so Moab is a nation which um, is now a pagan land, and Israel is certainly not supposed to give their children in, in marriage to uh, anyone from the Moabite clan. So they go there. Malon means sickly, and Kilian means pining. Now we lived in Africa, and typically people are named after the circumstances of their birth. So our neighbor's name was Kelba, which means dead dog. <laughs> oh, nice. Lots of people are named Ramadan because they were born during the month of fasting, because pregnant women were fasting which is an interesting choice. So the circumstances of these births, um, or the names were maybe given afterwards when their temperaments were um, made known, but we have um, my king, God is my king and pleasant, have kids sickly and pining. And uh, they move off to Moab and it says, and they sojourned there, or they were planning to stay for a while. It's never their intention to stay there. And I want to tell you, when God has a plan, don't take a detour, if at all possible. He's sovereign. He will bring you back. But Elimelech doesn't get back. And the boys don't make it back. So their plan was to go into a pagan nation and stay for a while and fend for themselves. And probably the plan of God in Bethlehem, in the promised land, was to provide for them and to show them that, oh, guess what? I did the manna thing. I can probably provide for you. So Elimelech, God is my king, makes the choice to go to a pagan land and try to fend for himself. And he doesn't ever make it back. So he didn't just sojourn in the pagan land. He lost his life there. We don't know how he died. It says... Um, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women, another choice that is outside of God's expressed will in the law. One named Orpah, and apparently this is where Ophir Win got her name. It's a misspelling of this name, Orpah, which means gazelle. And the other was named Ruth. Ruth's name means friendship. Words are powerful, aren't they? So even the prophetic nature of some of these, the gazelle flees, doesn't she? And the, the woman in friendship stays. 
After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Killian also died. This is tragic. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband in a foreign land. So one, some of the imagery of this, this story is emptiness and fullness, death and life. And that's exactly the redemptive message of the gospel. And even though we don't have, you know, the full-blown gospel message in this story, this story is so tender and so full of the love of the Father and his, you know, the foreshadowing of the good things to come. So when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home. It was always home. Bethlehem was home. This is a good move on Naomi's part. Whoever's decision that was, Naomi says, nothing's working here. I'm going back. I'm going back. And she decides to go back to Bethlehem with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness of you, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. So there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the dead and the living. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. A young woman went from the house of her father, in married, and went to the house of her husband. Otherwise, she was not protected. In the law, husbands and dads were responsible for what women said. I always think that's kind of interesting that you have to put that in there. <laughs> Not that we talk too much, girls, but sometimes we just need that. <clears throat> yeah. So you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people, so that they would be in exactly the same situation. Uh, Naomi's just coming out of widows. Childless widows in a foreign land. So um, Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I, am I going to have any more sons who be, could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me to have children, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? So this is the liberate law of in the law, God provided that if a woman's husband passed away, then one of the brothers of the husband would bear, she would, he would impregnate her so that she could have a son, so she would not be destitute. It sounds weird to us. It's actually provision, so she doesn't end up a beggar or a prostitute. Um, so Naomi says, I'm empty. No baby's coming, and even if there was a baby, you're not going to wait to, to, for that baby to grow up. Um, would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. I don't know if you've seen somebody in their darkest hour, when they just don't see any hope, any light at the end of the tunnel, any, you know, even those who have had strong faith in God, and they just go, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, it's like obviously skipped script here somewhere. It's not working out. And um, 
And in her darkest hour, uh, I just hear the Spirit of God would have been saved to her. Hangeth thou in there? Because you don't know. It's darkest just before the dawn. Do you imagine if Naomi had done something drastic at this point? What we all would have missed? Because Ruth is going to be the blessing to the entire world through what is, what is coming and what is coming to Naomi through, uh, through this exceptional daughter-in-law. So at this point, they wept aloud again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. This is like cleave, like cleave in marriage. This is like hold on to, stay with, abide in. Interesting. In the John 15, the vine and the branches, abide, cling to. I've totally said this before, but it's my favorite image for this word is when we lived in Chad and um, we had mud hats and we'd, I'd do homeschooling with the boys and from their window, we can see baboons. And when a baboon runs with its young, the baby is on, on her chest and she jumps and this little baboon is hanging on and they don't look like they're hanging on for dear life. They're just hanging on. It's like, this is groovy. Here we go. Mom's bouncing around and I'm upside down, but I'm here in the milk supply. All's good. And there's like, boing, 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 these little baby baboons, right? Hanging on. And I always think of that when I think of cling, cling, cling to your mama, little baboon. Cling to that mama because she's your source of life. Quite, quite literally, if that little guy falls out when she's climbing a tree, it won't be a happy thing. So uh, Ruth clung to Naomi. And uh, Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. So this is a time of, of worship of lots of different gods, not just Yahweh. But Ruth replied, and this is amazing language. This is covenantal language. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. This is very strong language. This is a language of oath, and she takes it in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, not in the names of her, her gods. So we don't know when, at what point you know, she's lived in Naomi's presence for 10 years. So did um, Naomi, Naomi's testimony of Yahweh being real in her life convince her? Or was it just at that point where she says, I'm going back. I'm going back to, to God. I'm going back to Bethlehem. I am, I am, you know. The Redeemer came along and paid the debt. So they wouldn't have to be slaves because they said, we'll take your house, we'll take your kids, we'll take your wife, we'll take everything. And the kinsman redeemer bought them back because they couldn't pay their debt. Boaz isn't just being, doing the right thing. You get the sense that he loves Ruth, right? And Ruth prepares herself like a bride and goes to the threshing floor. And the union ends in a baby and so god goes from having boaz be the kinsman redeemer to having the baby become the kinsman redeemer gee that never happened again the baby becomes the kinsman 
that God becomes flesh and doesn't pop onto the earth like Adam had, he had with Adam, but becomes a little baby and says, I'm the one that's the savior of the world. I'm not just going to save you and this tribe and this clan and this people that I promised to Abraham, but I will bless all people through you. The plan seems so foolish, but it's so divinely glorious. And it provides a destiny and a hope and a future for all the generations that follow. Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Colossians 1, 13 to 14, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sunny laws in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Kinsman Redeemer is responsible for the well-being of all the family members and their posterity. And it says that um, in Exodus it said that the lavish love of the Lord will go to a thousand generations of them who love me and keep my commandments. And that the kinsman redeemer avenged people from their enemies. Who are our enemies? Not people. Sin and death. Sin and death. And he has done that. I'm just going to close here and I'll pray. Father, I thank you that you are our kinsman redeemer. Lord, that you are committed to bringing about our freedom and our deliverance, our restoration, paying the debt we could not owe. Lord, taking sin upon yourself and, uh, and paying that incredible price for all mankind, not just for the children of Israel, but for the children of God. So, Lord, we, we bless you and thank you for this tender story of love and faithfulness that, Lord, there is always hope in the midst of desperate times and that the answer has always been you. And you, God, have an incredible plan and you are the main player and you are the one who gives and gives and gives.